innovative, dynamic, gritty, determined, warrior. This podcast is about the innovators, the leaders on the front lines of adversity, the all-around good people doing good deeds. They are the civic warriors of the world. Witham's guests are the leaders in the nonprofit industry affecting change. They try, they fail, they overcome. Through their stories, we can join forces to become civic warriors. Hey, warriors. Witham's guest and civic warriors today is Jeff Mullins, who's the VP of Operations of the 501c3 nonprofit Rebuilding Warriors. Rebuilding Warriors provides highly trained and socialized service and companion dogs to veterans diagnosed as amputees, as well as those with PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder and TBI or traumatic brain injuries. Most of their dogs are bred especially for this mission and have a highly sought after demeanor. They provide these dogs to honorably discharge veterans from any branch of the armed forces or from any service era meeting eligibility standards, as well as first responders. We learned a lot from Jeff to raise awareness and things we should all consider with veterans, service dogs, and mental health. Let's welcome Jeff to the show and let's get right into it. A little bit about me. When I was uh, 17, I joined the uh, Navy to uh, join the Navy Seabees. Now, if you don't know about the Navy Seabees, uh, it was John Wayne's favorite branch of the service. So I joined the Seabees as a uh, as a construction worker. And um, so from 1977 until 1988, December of uh, 88, I did probably 10 or 11 deployments abroad uh, to go to different uh, places to do uh, construction projects. And then uh, I had gotten out for a while, went back in, uh, back in the uh, New Jersey National Guard in 99. I met my wife in 2002, was going to get deployed to uh, Kosovo. And it was at that time frame where um, do I spend a honeymoon in Kosovo or do I stay home and, and actually have a normal life? So I opted to get out. And uh, a couple of years later, I rejoined and I told my wife, I said, you know, if, if I go back in, there's a chance that I'm deploying. And it wasn't even a year before I went back in that we found out that we were deploying to Iraq. After hey, wait, I come back, what year was that now? That was 2008. 2008, okay. At that point, I was 50 years old. I'm deploying with a bunch of kids who are medics. I, I naturally became like their, I don't, I don't want to say their father figure, but I was, I was, the, I was the old guy. You were the cool <laughs> older brother. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You told them all the things they needed to know. <laughs> you just you just do it the right way. We don't have any problems. So um, you know, so we I did my deployment in uh, in Baghdad. I worked the uh, second shift of the emergency room. Came back to uh, New Jersey. Stayed on active duty orders. I uh, stood up a uh, combat lifesaver course down at Fort Dix for uh, non medical people would come through the course. Uh, for four days and we would teach them how to save somebody's life should it ever happen. And uh, I stayed there for pretty much the rest of my career and I thought I was safe from another deployment. And uh, I had some colonel, I'm not going to mention his name because I still talk to him. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, he actually said, come here, I want to introduce you to somebody. And he took me around the corner and he said, put the face with the name that I gave you. And I said, what's going on? And he goes, you're going to Afghanistan. And I said, when? And he goes, in 23 days. 
So a big difference between finding out when I was going to Iraq, which was well over a year to 23 days. And then I had to obviously let the family know that I'm going to Afghanistan. I, I, I do my deployment in 2012. I come back. I have never once have I ever made a high school reunion. So the only thing I can say is go to your high school reunions. <laughs> so uh, a buddy of mine that I grew up with, Jeff Anderson, who started Rebuilding Warriors, um, he also joined the uh, the military in 2000, uh, in 77. He joined the army. So we we kind of went separate ways, and I didn't see him again until. 2014, 2015, told me what he was doing. And I said, well, I'm, I'm all in, you know, if you, if you need help, let me know. And gradually, whilst even still being on active duty, I still uh, did uh, fundraising uh, in New Jersey and things just gradually grew. And, you know, here I am, I'm retired now. I'm the vice president. Um, I came out of the VA as 100% disabled. Uh, with post-traumatic stress disorder. Do I regret any of it? No. Um, the biggest thing that I regret is what I have to deal with personally, you know, but it is what it is. So I don't know if any of you met my uh, sidekick, Zoe. Yeah, I met Zoe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Zoe is uh, Zoe's a lifesaver. Um, because there have been many times that I just said, I, I, I really, really, really want to check out. And, uh, you know, she's the one that keeps me going. That's the, the whole purpose behind Rebuilding Warriors is uh, people like me. And, you know, I could talk about a hundred other people getting a phone call that somebody's, uh, you know, was going to kill themselves. They had the gun in their mouth um, and they're looking straight at the dog, looking at them. And uh, the bottom line was, he says, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it to the dog. And now him and his dog are tra-la-la-la around uh, doing whatever. And uh, he doesn't have that, that urge to want to just kill himself. That's the good stories. In the beginning with Rebuilding Warriors, when it was for him, Jeff Anders started doing it um, money out of his own pocket. He, uh, he was an army dog handler, became a LA County Sheriff dog handler. Uh, shot on duty. Um, they retired him out of the sheriff's office. office. Uh, and uh, so somebody came to him and said, uh, hey, do you think you can train uh, a service dog for uh, for a Marine? And he kind of chuckled about it. And uh, he trained the dog. And that was dog one. Now we have 105 dogs. Wow. So it just escalated. And we get bombarded with emails. Um, of people requesting uh, a service dog and it's like you have to really uh, pick and choose and uh, we just can't give a dog to anybody you know and the sad part about it is having to say no and uh, that's the hard part for me I got a phone call a couple of years ago and the guy was very adamant very seemed like a very deserving guy and uh, he said well you know I really don't need one but I want one how it well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I said, you don't need one, but you want one? And he goes, yeah. And I said, well, you're not getting one of ours. Why not? Yeah. And I said, yeah, sorry, dude. There's a lot more people out there better than you. Yeah. So I, I have a guy here in New Jersey. We were supposed to have our fundraiser May 3rd. 
which we uh, we canceled and and we probably aren't going to do a New Jersey fundraiser this year. But typically, we give a dog to a veteran at our event, and uh, he is so antsy about getting one. Um, and I had to, you know, I, I just don't have anything to tell him right now. I keep telling him, you know, until they start opening up places where the dog can be trained in a in a mall to use the uh, escalators and elevators and stuff like that and go to a restaurant and, and lay at the table and just can't can't give you the dog you know and uh, and i i know what he's feeling he's i know he's frustrated um but you know it is we we have to wait until the dog is perfectly trained before we we actually give the dog away how long does it take to normally train train a dog um you know it um the dogs typically start out as puppies so <laughs> um the dog as the dog grows we socialize the dog um and then we uh teach the dog obedience and then when the dog is at an age where you can teach other things to the dog um that a, a recipient would need that's when the the actual specific training happens like um if the, if the recipient needs uh stability or something so the dog would come in front of him and the, and the dog would stand there while you put your hands down on his front shoulders to help stand up or something that mm -hmm. it, that all takes time and like turning on lights and opening doors and stuff like that wow but typically um the dog is going to be at least uh 14 months old before we give the dog away mm -hmm. so there's a lot of it takes it takes a little bit of time to do it but unlike uh, some of the other organizations uh, out there, we don't use uh, shelter dogs. We tried. Um, it's just, for us, it's just, why are you gonna give a dog that may or may not have issues to somebody who does have issues? <laughs> so for us, it's not a win-win situation. But other, you know, other than that, it's, uh, you know, I got involved with it because this is more therapy for me I get more therapy out of doing this and talking to uh, other veterans who have dogs that we've given dogs to than I have ever gotten from the VA. You know, the VA, all they, all they wanted to do was pump you full of uh, medication. And uh, I couldn't do that. I, I was, I would walk around like I was in a fog for, for, you know, most of the morning and then it was time to take my afternoon pills and then I'm back in the fog again. So I just, stop taking the medications and don't want to say what else I'm doing, but I do have a need to. <laughs> It's all good. No, it is. It's legal. Okay. <laughs> all we need to know. Yeah. No, and true though. I mean, you know, a lot, a lot of it is definitely, is definitely, uh, you know, I know, I know from personal experience that that medication is just uh, it's just a tool in the toolkit, but it's not a it's not a solution by any means, nor is it a mechanism to help. It's more of a a piece of the pie if if you yeah. need it. And you know, right. I, I know there are certain circumstances where you know if you have panic attacks, sometimes that medication is a life saving thing solely for the purpose of stopping the panic attacks, but not necessarily helping with right. the actual root root cause or whatever yeah, it may be. It definitely doesn't help the cause. No, and no. regardless of how much you talk about it, that root cause doesn't go away. It just, it just doesn't go away. You know, nah, I, I, just the whole thought of, um, 
being shot at. Um, like I, I was a medic for 13 guys. I had one guy who got shot in the leg. Um, could have been me. And then I would hope that I would have trained my guys enough to, so that they would know how to actually do what they, what I would have to do. So, um, it's, it's a, it's a wonder, you know, but some of that stuff, it, it'll always stay with you. It doesn't always go away. Um, and I know as far as me and a lot of other guys is that we avoid putting ourselves into those positions, uh, that kind of harbor those, um, those thoughts, you know, like large crowds. If I go into a large crowd and I know a majority of the people there, I'm okay. It's a safe place for me, you know, and, uh, and that's the way that I try to keep it. I'm more than happy to just take Zoe out and go to a park and do whatever. And uh, if it's just me and her, then it's just me and her. When did you get introduced to Zoe? Um, I actually, you know, I, I we stumbled upon Zoe. Um, our other dog that we rescued um, ended up with leukemia. We had her for I'm sorry. 12, 13 years. So she was probably like 15 years old. And my wife was very distraught about losing her. Uh, and she told me, keep an eye on to the Woodbridge Animal Group uh, Facebook page. So when I saw Zoe's little photo there as a puppy, I'm like, mm-hmm. holy cow, I got to go see this dog. <laughs> and uh, the minute I saw her, it was like, it was like true love. And uh, it's so I, I finally got her. Mm-hmm. And I didn't do any uh, paperwork uh, with the, uh, with the shelter to get her. So finally, I think she was like, at that point, she was like three and a half, four months old. Mm-hmm. And I went back to the shelter when she was like nine months. And I said, Hey, uh, can I fill out the paperwork now? To make it <laughs> I said, yeah, okay. <laughs> so, but then, um, and then when I started doing rebuilding warriors, I got Zoe in 2015 or 2014. Um, started doing Rebuilding Warriors and we would do these like little fundraisers and the guy at Miller's Ale House here in Woodbridge, we did a, a sell a, a wristband for 10 bucks and they get 10% off their check. Oh, we, wow. made a kill, we made a killing over there. And mm-hmm. uh, the guy told me, he goes, you would make more money if you had a dog here. So I, I got <laughs> Zoe trained and uh, we went back and uh, we doubled what we got the first time. Wow. Yeah, so nice. we ended up with almost almost five thousand dollars for four hours worth of walking around the place. Wow! Yeah, so, that's great. Yeah, and uh, and Zoe does. Uh, you know, she just um, the, the the other thing about a service dog is is uh, one, they're outstanding listeners, <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, I can say whatever it is that my anxiety, uh, my thoughts, and she just looks at me and just takes it all in and off we go. We just, I talk to her all the time, you know, and uh, and that's the other thing that people don't realize is that they see somebody like me who can walk and talk with a service dog. And I know people are going, but you know, what the hell is he doing with a service dog? But you can't see. You can't see PTSD unless it's an outburst, and that's the uh, that's the tough part. So, 
so yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate to have her. And, uh, and I know that every other uh, recipient that we've given uh, dogs to, uh, whether they're a fireman or a cop or, or, uh, or a veteran, um, I get texts all the time. I get, I get videos. Uh, I gave a, go a guy up in uh, Boston a, uh, a service dog. He's a uh, Boston firefighter. Uh, he was a Marine Corps sniper. And uh, I get videos and he goes, do not share these with anybody. <laughs> and it almost looks like that the dog is going to go down the pole. <laughs> I'm like, he, if he holds on to that pole and slides down, you're 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 amazing, dude. But, yeah. it's gonna be a YouTube sensation at some point. Yeah. He's, the, he's the first one in the uh, in the fire truck. He sits in the uh, he sits in the seat uh, right in front of right next to him. Yeah, and just hangs out. Just it's amazing, you know, and then. You know, another big question people ask is, well, how do you train a dog for PTSD? And I go, you can't. You can't, tra you can't train a dog for PTSD. It all comes from the bond between the person and the dog. You know, Zoe, uh, for my sake, uh, we could be driving in, in the car and she's sitting up in the passenger seat, ball in her mouth. And, uh, and if I say a choice word, um, <laughs> she turns and looks at me and then her her leg comes up and a, her left leg comes over my right arm and so i have to be touching her which then changes my whole thought and then i look at her and, and i go okay okay so it's uh it, it's the bond and uh, you know the bond that i have with zoe is is far more sophisticated than i could ever try to explain to somebody like there's, she knows hand signals. She knows uh, little gestures. If I go, come on, and right away she runs through the house, finds her ball, and out the door we go. So it's it's amazing on just how smart they are, and it it really it, it is what it is, you know. I think the more people are aware just to be a little courteous of the people around them because you never really know what's going on in somebody's life. And the bond between a person and another human being or a person and an animal, at the end of the day, all it really takes is for somebody or just a quiet animal who can't respond just to be there listening. And you can feel that they're there for you, whether they're saying something or they're not. Um, and it's the connection that um, sometimes it just takes a little quietness actually to shed a lot of light on things that yeah. are important and to make and they, feel understood. And they actually, uh, they actually talk a lot with their body language, you know? Yeah. Zoe is, uh, so she's a huge talker, you know? So, and the, uh, the, the big thing with her is it's, it's a, uh, it's nothing more than just eye contact. She she stares at me. I could walk past her right now, and she'll just pick her head up and go. Where, where are you going? I know, yeah. I know you're going out the door. Where are you going? <laughs> but you know that's that's what this is all about, you know. And uh, out of out of all the dogs, and I was going to try not to talk about this, but um, we've had uh, one person successfully kill himself, and. Um, and it just happened to be the only guy who I gave a dog to that the minute I met him was like I knew him my entire life. 
and he was a uh, ordnance disposal guy uh, in the Navy. Um, was 25 years uh, in the service. 23 of his 25 were attached to uh, SEAL team units. He was a, a paratrooper. He did it uh, for the military. He did it on the, as a civilian. And when we did his uh, training, he looked at me the very first day and he goes, can be a jump? And I go, that's on you, my friend. Mm -hmm. So, but every day he asked me, he goes, do you want to jump? Do you want to jump? Do you want to jump? And I'm like, no, nah, not today, not today. But I've jumped one time in my life and it, it was a good experience. But every day he asked me, um, we would go down to the jump zone in Virginia Beach and that happened to be a, uh, a unit there, uh, probably the most notorious one um, that were jumping. And, uh, and I, I declined and then uh, we gave him the service dog. Probably about a year, a little over a year afterwards, he, uh, he shot himself. So um, it took me a while to uh, talk to his wife to actually ask, you know, how he did it. And um, it's sad, you know, and uh, it, it's just, it's just not supposed to happen, you know, but far more people, uh, you know, the, the number 22 a day, and I know everybody served 22 a day, um, but that's only veterans. That doesn't count active duty, uh, people in the reserves, uh, National Guard, active National Guard. So the number is a lot higher than 22. So, oh, yeah, and, and include first responders in there. And, you know, there's there's a big stick. There's a big stigma in the first responder world about even publicizing yeah. any of those statistics. Yeah, there's uh, there's a couple state trooper uh, people that well, I know a lot of state troopers and I know that there's been a few that have uh, committed suicide in their, in their in their cars. So. Sad. Yeah. It, it, so, you know, learning from these experiences and, and figuring out how we how we make a better world from your perspective. You know, how, how do us in the public, you know, help? And is there anything that that the public can do to help? You know, in these scenarios, you know, a lot of it, as you said, is it's it's you're fighting your own demons, and it's it's hard to overcome that. But you know, is there anything that you know the world can do to to help you know prevent that from happening? Because obviously, it's the last thing anybody wants. Um, there's there's a lot that actually don't talk about their issues. Um, those who do have service dogs would rather just be left alone. Um, some of them who have, uh, have been sheltered and sheltered themselves into going out into public and trying to be a little more social. And that's the whole purpose of giving them the dog. Um, one of, one of my things is, is, uh, as I asked him, I said, what are those things that you used to do uh, that you don't do anymore? So he, he or she would ramble off that list. And then I go, guess what we're doing for training today? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then the look that I would get, whew, I'm lucky I'm still here. <laughs> yeah. you know? But, um, you know, we had one that said, I will not go into a Walmart, won't go into a supermarket. The very first time we went into a Walmart, I told her, 
I said, make a list of five or six items. Go around the perimeter of the store until you get to your aisle that you got to go into. Go get your item and go back out to the wall. Go around to go to the next item. Get it. We did that. She got all our items. And she looked at me and she goes, are you paying for these? And I go, well, it depends on what they are. <laughs> you know? So ultimately, um, she did it. And uh, a couple of weeks after uh, we gave her the dog, she's all by her lonesome with the dog now. Um, she took a snapshot and she says, where am I? And I go, I know exactly where you are. She was back in Walmart all by herself in the midst with a bunch of people. That to her was such an accomplishment. And, uh, and we still talk about that. And I still send her a message and I go, you want to meet me at Walmart? And she goes, sure. <laughs> and I go, well, it's going to take me about two hours to get there, but, <laughs> but yeah, we try to meet up with them all the time, but, um, you know, our event, uh, May, if we would have had it May 3rd, uh, we would have had veterans coming from uh, Virginia Beach, uh, Buffalo, just uh, all over the place. They they come just to see everybody, and uh, it's it's one of the most uh, rewarding things is to see everybody together. Um, and it's that's their that's their comfort place, and that basically that's my comfort place too, and and. Uh, you know, we don't get to do it this year, so we have to hang out and do it next year. Do you so, guys have a way to communicate virtually and no, over any do. sort of platform or anything? Oh, yeah, we use uh, Zoom. Hmm. So we do, uh, well, we do all of our family. I just got my mother, who's uh, 83 years old, to, uh, to uh, do Zoom the other day. You know, it's the first time she actually seen interaction with my granddaughter. And uh, yeah, I, I heard uh, a few chuckles coming from her end. <laughs> but, but yeah, so it's uh, we, we do keep in touch a lot of a uh, lot of text, um, not too much, not too many emails, but we uh, text and call. And, you know, out of the blue, I get a text from a guy in Alabama that says, you know, how's things in New Jersey? And I said, yeah, it is what it is. And. He goes, yeah, same as it is in Bama. <laughs> so, but we all try to keep in touch, you know. Um, but in other sense of uh, to your question is is uh, you know if if the person wants to talk about it, they they talk. Um, if not, then you know it. it I, the only thing I can say is it is what it is, and it's his choice or her choice. Uh, that's the same with. Uh, you know, somebody asking to uh, pet a service dog. And I, what, what sets me off is somebody who doesn't ask. And the next thing you know, they're reaching to the dog and I pull Zoe away. And I was at a polar bear plunge a few years ago down in uh, Seaside. Seaside, yeah. oh yeah. <laughs> we do that. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, somebody reached out to pet her and I pulled Zoe away and, I, and all of a sudden I hear, Ah, the owner must be a blankety blank. And I said, no, you are. I said, you didn't even ask. And he goes, well, I asked the dog. And I said, yep, yeah, you are. 
And uh, we kept walking and he just kept mouthing me. And finally my wife walked up and she said, just walk a little faster. I said, no, I want to walk a little slower. <laughs> so, but it is, I mean, have the courtesy to ask somebody first. And it's, I tell people it's depending on the, on the situation where we're at. Yeah, you can or you can't. You know, I was going to go do a service dog presentation. I'm at Newark International. I'm at our gate. And some woman comes running up. She goes, oh, can I pet your dog? And I went, no. <laughs> Sorry. But if you're on this flight and you want to come back up after we take off and you come up and see her, by all means. You know? But she didn't. But the uh, the flight attendants do. They're, they're, they are the best uh, when I fly with her is uh, that half the people don't even know she's there. You know, I get walking out, we fly to San Diego, I get out in Phoenix and people go, oh my God, there's a service dog on her. <laughs> she's doing what she was taught to do. Just be there. How do you feel that having the dog in general um, has... I guess, do you find that it brings you happiness? My friend, I, the reason why I asked this particular question is I've never had a dog. So my one friend was fostering two dogs and she is a nurse. So she went to work one day and I had the dogs for the day and I was walking around the city with them. And it made me so happy to see how happy people were seeing animals like i couldn't believe how many more smiles i got just because i had these dogs so i was wondering if you experienced that and when you're explaining to the people that are receiving the dogs um do sometimes they have hesitations and how do you kind of talk to them about the benefits and the joys that you get from having an animal yeah one one of the things that um one guy told me he goes one thing that I'm not going to like is people looking at me because he has a service dog. And I say, they're not looking at you, dude. They're looking at the dog. Leave it at that. Don't read into it. Just they're looking at the dog. They want to, they want to, they want to see what, that what happens between you and the dog. If the dog is just laying next to you and people see the dog. I don't, I, you know, personally, I don't think they could, people could, give a, a, a rat's butt to me, or they just want to see Zoe. And, and I know that that's 100% true. You know, there's people that go, oh, there's Zoe. And then, you know, five minutes later after talking to Zoe, they go, how's it going, Jeff? You know, I go, thanks for remembering my name. Yeah. <laughs> you know? You're lucky if you get but that, right? <laughs> mainly are, are looking at the dog. They're, they're more curious as to the dog than they are the person, I think. And I, and I tried to tell them that, that um, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to want to talk to your dog. And there are, there's, there's a ton of people that always uh, want to talk to, uh, talk to the dogs, talk to Zoe. It's, it's human nature. And, uh, and it does bring a smile to a lot of people's faces, especially when you're out in the mall or to a restaurant and, uh, and people see her. Um, there's a there's a lot of people there's a lot of amazement going on that um, that she is trained so well that uh, when I go into a restaurant I have this round mat this rectangular mat that I un untie and I roll out the minute it's out she's on it and she doesn't get up 
people are none the wiser that she's even in the restaurant until we actually leave. So, you know, and, and I just, you know, it, it's sometimes it's really hard to explain um, how to, how to tell somebody how others are going to react to your dog. Everybody's different. You know, it's like, I'm different with uh, me and Zoe are different than what uh, John Durenberger and Kilmer, which is a shepherd that comes up to about here on me. He's huge. And uh, he's a, he's a Czech shepherd and he's just, he's massive. You know, John Durenberger has a, has a son and he drives in a van and uh, you know, the big side window goes down and there's Kilmer's big head sitting in the window <laughs> looking out. And I'm like, people just look at it and go, holy cow, what kind of dog is that? You know, but it's a shepherd. And everybody wants to talk to that dog. I, I've seen it. I've been there. And uh, he, has a, he has a way to get people not to do that, which I won't say here. But uh, the dog understands uh, different languages, Czech, German, English. Wow. John gives his commands in, in German. So when somebody says, what kind of dog is it? You know, he's a Czech shepherd. And he, John said, always says to him, dog doesn't understand English. You got to speak Czech to it. So he does whatever <laughs> it is he does. And he goes, go ahead, you try it. And now you got the people doing exactly what he was doing, just making noise. No, nope, <laughs> you're not doing it right. So finally, after a while, they, they walk away. And I'm like, Jesus, John. You know, but <laughs> crazy. Hey, you gotta have it, some humor. With it. <laughs> yeah, you gotta have some humor with it. But some people actually walk away going, oh, "I talk check to a dog," you know. <laughs> and, uh, so it is. It is what it is. But it's. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what where I would be without the organization. Takes up a lot of time. Keeps me busy. Um, I talk to an awful lot of people. It's just one thing after another, you know, with uh, with emails and and uh, purchasing dogs and uh, you know updates from trainers and so on. So it's keeps me busy, and I I can't complain about that. So looking at you know your your organization itself, you um you know I'd say looking at some of the you know the nerd in me pulls your 990s off the guide star to, to look at them but you know obviously almost all of your dollars if not all of your dollars go go directly into the operation of the organization yeah. you, know, you have well, zero administrative I think, uh, overhead i think uh i think 2018 2000 i think 2018 where like 97 percent went to uh, the operation of the organization so, I mean, it's, we're hundred percent volunteer, you know, like this yep. year, I, 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 I had to buy a computer, my, my other computer crapped out. It was mine. It went through uh, two deployments. So it, it, it died. So I had to get another computer and then had to fight with the computer to get all the rest of the stuff off of the hard drive. Yep. <laughs> uh, so, so added the money for this, I mean, it's, you know, it's, we don't spend anything on, on anything really other than the, the dogs, the veterinary services, dog food. 
that's it. What so. is the what is what is the cost that goes into um, you know providing a, a service dog to a veteran? What what is the average cost involved? Um, from start to finish, it's about fifteen grand. Mm -hmm. So that usually includes the uh, the cost for the puppy because we we purchase the puppies. Very on on occasion we get them donated, but that's far and few in between. Um, so raising the dog, the veterinary costs, uh, dog food. Um, what we do pay the uh, trainer uh, is a stipend of like 250 bucks a month to take the dog out to a restaurant and socialize them and, and so on. It's all part of the training. So we, we pay for that. And uh, so in a, in a nutshell, um, it comes to uh, about 15 grand. Uh, prior to the recipient getting the dog, we provide them with the dog crate with the instructions I would use it for the first couple of weeks until, until the dog is acclimated to its surroundings. After that, if you don't want to use the crate, just let me know and we'll make the arrangements to come get it. Um, we give them their first uh, big bag of dog food, food and water bowls. They don't have them. And uh, the first vet bill is on us. And uh, plus we buy them uh, their first uh, set of toys and stuff. So. Yeah, you know, we, we try to make it a, a a smooth transition to the recipient where nothing comes out of their pocket. So it's like the the guy up here in um, uh, where does he live? Uh, Hasbrook, Hasbrook mm -hmm. Kite. Mm -hmm. uh, we have somebody uh, friends of ours who work for uh, Colgate, and Colgate owns uh, Hill Science. So Hill Science is going to donate uh, six. Six six or eight months of uh, of food for the dog once oh, he wow. gets the dog. Yeah. You know, you take a look at it. That's you know, six fifty fifty five bucks a big bag. So, but their uh, Hill Science is good at donating. They've they've given us a lot of dog food over the years. So, yeah, and it it all comes out of the operational. That's that's what it's that's what it's there for. Sure. No. Where do the majority of your dollars come from? Do they come from general public donations? Do you have any, uh, no government funds or anything, right? It's all, it's no. all general public no, donations. Private, all private and corporate. Private dollars. Your fundraisers. Um, our biggest fundraiser of the year, and it's been the biggest one, is the one that we have at the headliner, Neptune. Oh, sure. My sister was a bartender at headliner for a long time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, she still lives around the corner. She still lives around the corner from there. It's a, uh, it's a wild place. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah but that's our uh that's our big fundraiser and um you know we average i think we average probably about between 40 and 50 grand uh, an event wow. which is which is nice you know i mean all the foods donated uh the the raffle items are all donated that makes it um a lot of work for me because i have to send out the receipts for everything so ah. <laughs> yeah so but it works and it's uh we have a we have a big following uh for that event and people you know they were kind of disappointed that all the coronavirus came and but what are you going to do you know i would rather postpone it i'm not going to ask uh people to donate after the economy has been like it is um 
it just, it's not fair. And I think if we happen to do something like that, it would kind of give us the image that we're being selfish and, you know, it's us, 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 and I don't want that. So it's, it, it is what it is. I'm not, next year is another year. And hopefully, uh, hopefully things have recovered enough that people will feel comfortable and. How many people um, within Rebuilding Warriors are um, individuals who maybe received a dog and then um, they they wanted to train where there are a lot of situations where people have received animals and then they can uh, take the next step to help train or acclimate individuals who are receiving a dog for the first time? Um, actually, no. We haven't had any, um, but I think the answer is yes and no. Uh, typically, it's at our fundraiser, and I I tell I tell whoever the recipient is, just if you're on Facebook, Instagram, just be ready for um, being bombarded with the uh, friend request, because as we give them the dog. Um, I and Jeff Anderson welcome them to the Rebuild Warrior family. And it is amazing to see the outpour of, you know, welcome to the family and and the uh, friend request on Facebook. It's it's uh, at times it's mind boggling. And then they, I get a side text and I'm going, who is? And I say, no, it's they're good. Accept it. <laughs> you know, so you basically have to walk them through, but it's sometimes it's overwhelming that how many people but you know they, they follow us and people watch the live presentations and that's when it gets really really good is uh for people to watch the the presentation they go on our facebook page and watch any presentation um that we do yeah do you think initially some people um, think that maybe they're just going to be getting a dog and that's it. And then do you hear stories about people coming back to you and saying, it wasn't just a dog. I also got a family and I also got a ton of other there's, there's positive a, There's a bunch like that. There's uh there's one guy who, uh, he got this dog. Uh, the dog's given name was uh, Grizz, Grizzly, Grizz. He was a little red lab and his uh his nails were white as could be which is kind of really weird for a lab to have white nails and uh so he works for the uh, department of labor up in outside of buffalo the attorney for the state for his office called me several times and i'm like what do you want me to tell you a ask me a question and i'll give you an answer so she would start and I said, well, you know, you can't refuse him to be an employee just because he's got a service dog. You know that, right? Well, I said, you know that, right? And, uh, and finally she said, yes. And I said, so what's the big deal? She goes, well, what do I, what if people are allergic to dogs? And I said, well, tell them not to touch the dog. I, I really don't know what to tell you. That's your workplace setting that you have to deal with. I can't do that. So. I think about three weeks after he got the dog, he sends me a, a photo that his dog has a New York State Department of Labor ID card. 
So it all goes hand in hand. And uh, like he has, uh, he, he rides a motorcycle. He's got a sidecar. The dog rides in it with him. Uh, the, the round goggles. It's got the oh, goggles. Horrible. Go, dog, go. Some people do the damnedest things, but they want to do them with their dog. And it's it's amazing on the steps and the efforts that they go through so that they can do it. So, but it, you know, it, it is a big family. There's a, there's a lot of people that aren't recipients that are considered part of the family that because of how much uh, work that they do for us, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's, it, it has grown so big since, since I and my wife did our first fundraiser here in New Jersey. It's now it's like, everybody asks, when's the next event? When's the next event? And then new people are asking, what can we do? What can we do? And I'm like, go talk to my wife. But it's, but it's hard, you know, and, and last year I had to step away from the fundraising side of it with the raffles because it just, to me, it got overwhelming, you know, and we, we've had 180 raffle items. Wow. You know? And it's, I'm like, I, I just, I look at, and we have a small house. We don't have a, a garage to put stuff in, <laughs> you know, so everything gets packed into the, uh, the our, our front bedroom. And then when it comes time to uh, load things up, we have people that come over and they start making baskets and then we load up a great big trailer and off we go. But for me, it's, it gets overwhelming because I, I want nothing to do with that side of it. You know, I don't mind going and asking uh, if they'll donate like the golf courses. Um, we get a ton of golf courses. Um, Deal Country Club, which is exclusive to uh, members only, they've donated every year. Wow. Um, Trump National and Colts Neck donate. Um, so many of them. Jumping Brook. Um, I did go to uh, the uh, right outside of uh, Princeton. There's a nice little golf course down there that I went to, and uh, and they donated. Now I have all these golf uh, foursomes that I have to call them up when somebody answers the phone and say, what do you want me to do with them? You want me to just trash them? Or I've already given them the receipt for them. So I'm kind of hoping they'll say, well, use it, you know? But if not, I'll save it for, uh, if they'll honor the certificate, we'll do it for another uh, fundraiser next year. Yeah. So. Where do you, as an organization, need need support? I mean, do you feel it's it's financial? Do you feel it's like volunteers, like you said? You know, having someone help manage manage the the fundraising process is a, is a full time job in itself. You know, where where do you feel that you know, rebuilding warriors need needs help? Um, I think more so uh, financially because we only we do two fundraisers here in New Jersey: one that we host, and one that somebody else hosts. So we don't do nothing there but show up, which those are the ones that I like. <laughs> uh, but we do do some stuff with it, you know, but um, we have an awful lot of people that volunteer to help out with the fundraisers. So that way I, I, I can step aside from that and leave it to my wife, my daughter, and, uh, and who they choose to, uh, 
to uh, to assist them. And uh, and it's last year it worked out extremely well. And uh, and I was happy. And all I had to deal with was uh, you know the the media people, the the recipient, the trainer. Uh, make sure that uh, you know he's adequately trained before we actually give him the dog, and that's that's the way we like it. So uh, to to actually answer it, I mean we'll we'll never turn away uh, volunteers, um, but typically our our goal is to do uh, uh, our our the number of dogs that we do per year is based on how much money we have that allows for the dogs. Um, because we 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 have a we have a lot of people in the pipeline that are just in the in the and you know as a, either a yes or a no, and a more majority of more yeses. Uh, so we we kind of cut the number off until we figure out how much money that we have that we can spend and still leave us uh, enough money to start the following year. You know for our. Uh, Kind of like our cushion, so usually it, it averages out. This year we're we're going to have probably uh, dog presentation after dog presentation after dog presentation uh, when it finally we we finally have that avenue in which to go someplace to give a service dog. Um, so it, it's it, you know I, I would say that we we totally rely on on money. Um, I think we we do have enough people set in place that that uh, orchestrate the fundraising side of it. Um, other than that, uh, I think we're uh, we're good, you know. And and I just I try to encourage people to come actually see a, a service dog presentation in person because you'll never forget it, you know. Um, some some of them are hard for me to get through. Um, because I know what it's like and I know how their life is going to change by getting the dog. And there have been times up on the stage in front of, you know, 1200 people that I have to stop talking before I get too emotional where I can't talk. And then typically my wife comes and takes the mic and like, I'll, I'll finish this. <laughs> you know? But it's uh, but it's it's amazing at just um, how many times people have told me that I cried my eyes out watching that presentation. It it's just and there's nothing like it. There really isn't because I know for a fact that we are changing somebody's life, you know, and uh, and that's the best part of all this. So like Ashley's gonna cry now. <laughs> <laughs> It's really touching and you're also shedding a lot of light on you know something that a lot of people aren't quite familiar with or or fully understand like you said people might approach somebody with a service dog and then after and try to go like abruptly pet the animal and yeah. maybe after listening to really why somebody is interested in having the dog why the dog is by their side like I said earlier, I think it's just a level of understanding and respect that even in, in quiet passing, you can have a level of compassion for people in a way that um, you're shining you're shining light on. In a, a lot of states too, it's, uh, it's a misdemeanor to uh, distract a uh, service dog. When I tell people that, 
I, I don't know if it is the case in New Jersey or not. I, I haven't had anybody give me a, uh, a true bona fide answer. But I, I tell people, I say, you know, you really don't want to be doing that. And if they want to keep going with it, and then I say, you know, it's a misdemeanor to distract a service dog. And you're distracting my dog from doing her job. And then they just mm-hmm. kind of back up a little bit. But for the most part, I just tell everybody it's, uh, you know, we're here to inform people. If, uh, if people have questions about service dogs, what their functions are, what they're allowed to do, what they're not allowed to do. They're allowed to go everywhere, fly, go into restaurants. I haven't taken mine to the beach, but... Sometimes it's just, it's too hot for her, but, um, but yeah, I've taken her up on the boardwalk and people say, you can't have your dog on the boardwalk. And they said, it's not a dog, it's a service dog. Um, but most cases, a lot of people don't, uh, don't rebut it. And, uh, they have the same right as a human going into a place. As long as the dog doesn't act like a, a normal everyday dog, then there's no question why you can't have that dog in there. But then that brings me to the point too, of the illegal fake service dogs, which give ours the bad name. Take Zoe, I go into Walmart and as we're walking uh, to go to a register, I hear a little yipping noise and I turn and I look and there's a woman with a dog in the shopping cart. I'm like, what are you doing with that dog in here? Well, she just wanted to say hi to your dog. And I said, is that a service dog? No, but I said, no, there's no butts. You shouldn't, shouldn't have that dog in here. Lady at the register where she was at was having a cow because I was saying that to her. And I was gonna say, I think sometimes the service dogs in restaurants could even be better behaved than some small children. <laughs> there's, uh, there's no question about that. I have a, I have a two and four year old, and uh, we experience the brunt of that every night at dinner. The Duke, he's good. He goes right over his bowl, eats dinner, comes down, lays down, waits for the kids to drop food. The kids are throwing their food on the wall. They're going bananas. Yeah, yeah. look, it's yeah, Duke, Duke's fine. People don't bother her. They look at her and they look at me and they look at her and she doesn't like the only time she'll get up, she'll get up, she'll circle and lay back down. I don't have to tell her to lay back down. And then there's people that, you know, that own the restaurant that, you know, they'll say, can I, you know, can I come over and pet her? And I go, absolutely. So they come over and they pet her and she stands up and she's all wagging her tail and they pet her and they walk away and she lays down, you know? And I look at him, I go, make sure you wash your hands. <laughs> I just keep thinking uh, awareness, you being out at a restaurant um, or anybody else with the animals, because if they just ask about the animal first, it opens up the conversation. So that in addition to all the presentations, it's just opening up more understanding all around. Yeah, there was a, uh, there was a woman, um, I forgot where I was, upstate New York or someplace. And she goes, what's the name of your organization? And I said, Rebuilding Warriors. And I was trying to find my, my wallet was in the car with my business cards. And uh, she's, she's going through her purse and she's checking her pens and none of them are writing. <laughs> so I take one of the patches off the Zoe's vest and I go, here, just take this. And uh, it says it right on it. Just rebuildingwarriors.com. You can read about us. The, is the best place to donate to you on your website? I see uh, rebuildingwarriors.com. There is a there is a donate uh, button on the uh, I believe on our Facebook as well. Uh, there is a uh, it goes to a PayPal for the uh, for Rebuild Warriors. Um, you know, and, and every dollar that people give is 100% tax deductible. The other night, I, I uh, before the event, I posted that we canceled our event, and I belong to this fishing uh, uh, club uh, Facebook page on uh, on Facebook, and uh, the guy sends me a message and he goes. Hey man, I looked at your, your organization. He goes, I love what you guys do. I want to hold a little 
they call them waffles instead of raffles. Um, and they, they do uh, fishing items. So he did it. And uh, next thing you know, he, he sent us a uh, deposit for uh, 370 bucks. Wow. Yeah, wow. it's, I can't, I, I, I told him, I said, there is no words to, I don't even know this guy personally. I have, I have no, uh, you know, no, no way to dis actually describe that he did this on his own accord. Um, and to get all of the people that donated to it was, uh, was amazing in itself. And that's, and that's how it all starts. You know, more people look at Rebuilding Warriors and here I'm in a group with uh, 3,200 people in it. So if you stop and look at it, if more people go back and look through all of the other posts in there and say, oh, they did a fundraiser for, uh, for a nonprofit, then people look at the nonprofit and there's, that's exposure in itself. That's a, that's our goal. That's my goal for the for the organizations is to get the exposure, so that more people can look at us. And the more they look, the more they want to ask questions. And we have awesome. we have nothing to hide. Whenever I do a fundraiser, I bring my uh, my binder with me. It has all our 990s in it. Here it is. Take a look at it. Try to be as transparent as possible. Good thing. Yeah, it definitely it's creates huge. trust trust among the public, and and oh, yeah. uh, it's and very important. Have, uh, we have a lot of uh, uh, of uh, backing, like the uh, New Jersey Firemen's Union. Yep, uh, biggest union in the state. They uh, they love us. We love them, but we're not going to turn anybody away. And people go, "Well, I can only give you you know fifty bucks," but I'm like, "That's fifty bucks that we uh, didn't have before." So it's all greatly appreciated. So you have a Facebook page, the, and uh, Facebook, you have, we have Instagram. We're on Twitter. And uh, and our website rebuildwarriors.com. You got three new followers today. <laughs> yep, yeah. I'm following. I'm following. You got, you got your due diligence before this, anyway. So. <laughs> yeah, we already creeped you guys out. We already stopped you there. Yeah. Yeah. Wait till I talk to Amber again. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's good though. This was uh. I was uh, I was totally uh, surprised when she said uh, um, when, she, when the day that she called me and she says, uh, "Hey, we won," and I'm like, <laughs> "Yes, yeah." <laughs> hey. So uh, so I, I was uh, I was. It's kind of humbling that you go in front of a group who was as big as with them, um, and uh, and you get selected over. I think it was what twelve other ones. I think so, yeah. So, but and it, then again, having Zoe there was probably the the, the deal the deal breaker right there for. That, for that was the highlight of the two weeks for us. <laughs> yeah. 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 But Amber was Amber was totally excited when she called me and she said we won. So <laughs> that was uh, that was good. And now you're so, here, so, so we're happy to chat here too. Yeah, as I was saying, Amber is uh, Kevin Reinhardt's cousin who who got killed in action over in uh, Afghanistan. So that's kind of the link between uh, uh, her father, who does the uh, golf outing, does the golf outing uh, that for the Kevin J. Reinhardt Foundation, who I get invited to all the time. So I know her father, and then move ahead now 
Amber, and then Amber introduces us to you guys. So, which is uh, which is pretty cool. So, this the circle grows, <laughs> and it will continue with our millions of followers on our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's go. Let's push it out. Uh, we're pushing it out. Don't worry. Now this uh, this is this is a good one, and I think you know, I love I love raising awareness to this because uh, you know you talked about a lot of things that I I know my, even myself and many others are not you know familiar with and and don't don't fully understand. So you know, obviously really appreciate your your candidness and and talking about it as well as sharing some of those personal stories because it it really helps yeah. people understand I think the the nature of the the issues that exist as well as you know when you're in public how do you, how do you react? I mean you know. You, you don't want someone who's just rogue and, and creating more of a problem. And, and most of the time it's naivety. It's not even, it's not even them purposefully. It's, they just don't know. So I think it's great that you share that. And it's hard to say that they're ignorant. It's just that people don't know. So the, the more yeah. that we get to talk about it and explain the, uh, the etiquette, um, what, what should be the normal etiquette with service dogs and other people who aren't the recipient, um, what they should do or how they should act is one thing and how they ultimately act is obviously it's another thing. And hopefully the two of them come together as a, the right thing, you know? And I always try to tell people just please ask. I don't care who pets Zoe, just ask. Yeah. I appreciate your time. I mean, thanks for, thanks for sharing your story. Obviously it's uh, you know, we just can't say enough. Thank you for, uh, for all you do. We're here and this is what we can do. And as long as we get the word out, then I can say is, you know, follow us, check out our website, rebuildwarriors.com and follow us on Facebook and uh, Instagram. So we have a lot of, a uh, lot of information. Obviously right now there's not a lot up there, but, um, but typically we do do uh, live presentations on Facebook uh, for people to uh, follow and watch. Thanks. Thanks for having me. And uh, you guys uh, stay safe and uh, have a great day. You too, Jeff. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Hey, Warriors. Thanks for tuning in. On the next episode of Civic Warriors, we'll talk with Nancy Rogers from Nourish, New Jersey, on how they continue to feed and fuel lives in their community amid the COVID-19 pandemic. Make sure to subscribe to Civic Warriors. And thanks for all your support. Have a great day.